Well, welcome and good morning. I want to just thank you for being here today and for watching online. Let's stand together as we worship the Lord in this place. It's an exciting morning. The Lord is here.
thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness Still in your hands, this is my confidence, you never fail. I know the night won't last, your will will come.
Lord Jesus, we're here in your house this morning and in our homes. Lord, we're just worshiping you. Because God, we believe that you stand on your promises, God. And we know that you can do miracles and these things again in our lives, God. Lord, I just pray there's someone here this morning and it was just all they could do just to get here. Or maybe in their homes and it's just such a struggle. God, I pray that we would just turn our gaze to you. They would worship you. Because God, you are a great God. High and mighty. And Lord, you are all powerful. So speak to us, God, and be delighted in the praises of your people today. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe is great, and sings my soul, my Savior God to me, how great thou art, how great thou art, and sings my soul, my Savior God to me, how great thou Shout it to the rooftops. How great thou art. 
good to see you here this morning. You may be seated. Thank you, thank you for being here to worship with us this morning. We're so grateful for you. If you're joining us online, thank you for your presence there. Give us a like. Uh, tell us where you're watching from. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but again, if you're new in the house or it's your first time watching online, I want to let you know a couple ways you just connect with us. One is to just use this text. It's real simple. Uh, the number is 77411. You'll see that on the screen. And in the body of the text, if you'll text, go to connect. Um, tell us, that'll link you to a form, uh, connect card. Tell us how we can pray for you, uh, what's going on in your life, how we can encourage you. Uh, you want to get involved here or take the next step of your faith, that's your resource there to use that. So again, whether you're in the house this morning or watching online, help us by that, filling that out. We'll be sure to respond. want to let you know, uh, last week, Pastor Walter shared with us uh, that we would be looking and considering adjusting our worship times uh, here in the coming weeks to better accommodate uh, more time within our service, but also for our children's ministry, for them to have enough time to uh, really dig into the word and to love on our kids and to minister to them. And so we presented that idea, gave you guys some opportunities to give some feedback, and overwhelmingly, there's just been enough support that we are going to make a decision to go forward starting November 1st. Our new worship times are going to be as is. Uh, 8 o'clock traditional service, uh, a 9 o'clock tr uh, contemporary service is right here in this room, which you're in, and then a 10.30, we're going to adjust the 10.15 contemporary to 10.30 to give some more time, contemporary service right here, and then our traditional service that was at 11 o'clock is going to be moving to 11.15. Uh, so just want to let you know that that's going to be coming November 1st, time change weekend, it's going to be a big time of change uh, for our services as well as uh, our time change, but we're really, really excited about it. Thank you again for hanging in here with us. And as we make these necessary adjustments uh, for the ministry of our kids and for our worship time. So thank you, thank you so much. Uh, Julia has some uh, important news about Operation Christmas Child. Thank you. So we are collecting boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Our church does this every year, and it's such a blessing to children all over the world. And so if you haven't yet grabbed your box, you can get one in the atrium. And those are due by November 15th. And our goal as a church body is a thousand boxes. So we could really just uh, use your help and appreciate all that y'all do and how you give so well. Awesome. Pastor David's going to come and pray for us now. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you that you are indeed that great, great God. Lord, we, we so often just take you for granted. We don't stop to fully realize afresh and new who you are. So, Father, that's our prayer this morning, that we can get that fresh glimpse of who you are and that we can then respond in the only appropriate way, which is to give you worship, to give you honor and glory and blessing and light. Father, we thank you that you allow us to be a part of how you choose to impact your world by the gifts that we give. Lord, we pray your blessing on the tithes and offerings. We pray that your, your kingdom will be expanded, your word will be spread. And Lord, we thank you that you give us the privilege of being a part of how you do that. So Father, we give you not only the rest of the service, but Lord, as a true offering, we give you our very lives and ask you to use them in a way that brings greatest glory to yourself and greatest good to your people. And all God's people said, amen. Hello, I'm Franklin Graham, and first of all, I just want to say thank you for uh, your support of Operation Christmas Child. This is an incredible opportunity to reach children uh, around the world, and especially with 2020, uh, COVID-19. This is the first time in the history of the world where the world has been locked down. It's never happened before. It just makes me think that maybe the Lord Jesus Christ will be coming back soon. And if that's the case, we need to be working even harder now than ever. And we need your help. We need your prayers. We need your support as we reach out around the world in Jesus' name, helping children by giving them a gift, discipling them for those that receive Christ, discipling them in God's word so that they can go out and reach their friends and their family with the truth of the gospel. Multiplication. So thank you for your help. Thank you for your support, your prayers. We got a lot of work in front of us. God bless you. Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to be here with you. I'm Pastor Dan Ott from uh, Anastasia 16 Church, and uh, that sister church sends you their greetings. Um, and again, it's good to, to be here with you this morning, being a part of this round robin 
a sermon series that we're engaged in. As we get started this morning, I want to ask you a question. I want you to really think about this. You, you've had a little head start with Pastor Walter and, and Pastor Mason giving sermons already on leadership, but what makes a good leader? As you think about maybe some characteristics, some, some skills, what makes a good leader? Uh, maybe a definition that you've heard at uh, a seminar and, and some reading has already popped into your mind. You know, Peter Drucker, this leadership guru, he says the only definition of leadership or of a leader is those uh, who, who have followers. Another simple definition is offered by John Maxwell. He says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Finally, Warren Bennis, a pioneer in leadership studies, he says that a good definition of leadership is someone who has the capacity to translate vision into reality. Vision into reality. Hold on to that definition. We're going to come back to it a a little bit later. But while leadership involves followers that, that you and I may influence towards translating vision into reality... Let's get back to that first question. What is it about that person that makes them capable of being a good leader, able to do those things? Now, we could go to some leadership seminars in the business world to to hone our skills and maybe get some even better definitions of what leadership is. But if we want to look deeply at the man or the woman, the boy or the girl that God wants to use, because God uses people of all different ages and all different kinds to to lead. But if we want to see who needs to be that leader for God to use, we need to look to God's word. And that's why we're in God's word during this series, looking at these different biblical characters. And today we're going to be focusing on the apostle Paul. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. Now I mentioned Pastor Mason and Pastor Walter already bringing messages. Pastor Gregorio will be with you uh, next week uh, talking about the leadership of Moses. And, you know, we saw this time leading up to the election. By the way, there's only nine days uh, till that big election day, right, as we determine who we want to lead us for the next four years as a country. But, but we saw this time leading up to the election as a good time to, to look at leadership, to look at what makes a good biblical leader, because the truth is, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to lead, to lead, excuse me, with with the life of Christ now in us, the very spirit of God deposited in us, we are called to lead. And so 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, verses 1 through 12, gives us a great picture uh, of not only Paul's leadership, but some great characteristics that you and I can, can implement in our lives as the Spirit grows these in us so that we too can lead. And let's stand together in honor of God's word. And this is what Paul writes. He says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy And righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God 
who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that it's living and active. And God, I pray this morning that you would work your word into our hearts by your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, Pastor Chuck Swindoll makes this observation about this same passage regarding Paul's leadership. He wrote, the Thessalonians knew Paul and his ministry well. He was no distant celebrity, no aloof executive in a pinstripe soup who communicated solely through inner office memos. On the contrary, he walked among them and worked alongside them and allowed them to come up close and personal with him. My wife Donna and I like to call that being in someone's every day, right? Being right there in their every moment. That, that was Paul. That was Paul with those he led. That was uh, Paul with those he ministered to, even those that he developed into leader because he didn't just lead. He developed leaders. We, we see that with men like Timothy and Titus. He developed leaders, knowing that it couldn't stop with them, telling Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2 that he needed to pass on what he had been taught from Paul so that they could continue to pass it on. And then he told the church at Philippi to not only learn from what he had taught, but to do what they had seen him do. So that just as we see here in this passage, Christ and him crucified is proclaimed to those we lead. That's the main objective, is it not? That is the mission, to proclaim Christ out of obedience to the call we've been given. Paul modeled that well, and the church knew it. In fact, you see that phrase over and over, as you knew, as you know, right? But look at verse 2 with me. For though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, they, they witnessed Paul up close and personal, He says, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Now, there's so much more in this one verse than this first point that I'll share with you. But this is just one of several places in these 12 verses where Paul speaks not only of the mission, but also of his priority in the mission. He he mentions it here in verse 2, again in verse 4. We see it in verse 8 and finally in verse 9. You see, Paul, just like you and I, had a leader that he was following. Jesus had given him a mission. And Paul, no matter the the hardships or the conflict, no matter the tearing down of his own reputation, Paul saw the mission as priority number one. Why? Because he knew. He knew that in proclaiming the gospel of God that he had been entrusted by God with, that God would be glorified. God would be glorified as people were set free and and given new life in Christ. And as they then began proclaiming it themselves, no doubt one of the exhortations he gave them there in verse, verse 12, he knew that God would be glorified. You know, as we think about this mission that God gave us, realize that God didn't give us the mission just to keep us busy. He didn't give us this mission to, to keep us out of trouble. God gave us the mission to allow us to be a part of fulfilling his promises and his plan, the the plan he's had since the very beginning, to bless all families of the earth and to redeem a people for himself. A good biblical leader knows that and will have a priority of mission. That's the first characteristic we see here in Paul. He had a priority of mission, and it wasn't a mission of his own but a mission that he's been called to, given by God himself. It's a mission that we've all been given. And so let me ask you, how does that rank, this mission that we've been given, how does that rank in your priorities as a follower of Christ? Listen, that's an important question to answer, an important question to consider. If you need help as you consider that, take a look at your calendar. What's it filled with? Take a look at your bank account. We can access that real easy on our smartphones. Take a look at the time you're spending with people. Who are you spending the most time with? Paul had a priority of mission in his life, and we need to have that same priority. 
Not only that, but we see that in carrying that mission out, Paul displayed a total reliance on God, right? His, his reliance, his dependency was all on God. He understood that he couldn't do this on his own. And so looking again at verse two, we see that Paul wasn't just bold or confident in himself to carry out this mission. No, he said, we had boldness in God to declare the gospel of God. You see, a good leader doesn't just set out to accomplish his own mission, but he also doesn't set out to accomplish the mission he's been given in his own power, with his own resources. Yeah, we need confidence. There's no doubt we need boldness because the mission that we've been given involves a battle for the souls of men and women, a battle for the souls of boys and girls. There's too much at stake to misplace our confidence or boldness, thinking we have it in our natural selves. Listen, our natural abilities aren't enough to do anything of eternal significance. That's why Jesus told his disciples right before he went to the cross, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, 1 Corinthians tells us that without the spirit of God, we can't even understand the things of God. Why would we then think that we could do anything then without the Spirit's enabling. Now, just for fun, I I did a a Google search, just kind of began it with the words, the Spirit enables to, and I promise I didn't need help with my sermon with that search. But but what's interesting is when you you do that, you know, suggestions pop up, right, of of what would be included in that. And, And I don't know if you can see it on your screen. I know it's there on your Bible app a little closer if you're using that. But the suggested searches read things like to walk with Christ, The Spirit enables us to to walk with Christ, to to pray, to obey, to overcome temptation and sin, to understand Scripture. With the final one reading, the Spirit enables us to be. I was like, wow, Google? Good job, right? But listen, the Spirit, the Spirit in you and me as followers of Christ, the Spirit gives us the confidence the boldness to lead with the gospel, to think that we can do it on our own. Listen, we're only deceiving ourselves. And we put ourselves right there in a position that the the enemy, the deceiver, wants us to be in, trying to do this on our own. That's why Paul is straight up with the Thessalonians. Even the writing of the words that Paul penned here were enabled and inspired by the Holy Spirit of God so that there is no impurity, There is no error, no attempt to deceive, Paul writes, not only in what he shared with the Thessalonians, but what he was inspired to write. You see, he didn't just want them to know that this is where his boldness comes from. He wanted them to know that that's where their boldness will come from as well, because they are to lead. And as they do, as you and I do, we're going to face hardships and conflict. And so a biblical leader is going to be honest and transparent with those he's leading, not just about his own life, right? But there will be an honesty and transparency about what they're up against as they go out and lead so that they'll be prepared for reality, but also so God will be pleased by us staying true to the mission. And what's that? It's to glorify God in all that we do making that mission that he's given as priority number one. Now, Paul wasn't about glorifying himself as an apostle, nor, he says, was he about glorifying them through flattery. He was all about glorifying God and God alone. And again, he says they they knew that. They witnessed that in Paul's life and ministry, as did God. Next, Paul, in contrasting how he he could have glorified himself as an apostle, right? He he could have come in making demands of the people with the authority that he'd been given in Christ. He says that instead of making demands, he was gentle among them, depicting that gentleness there as a mother who cares for her nursing child, a child who who not only needs the care of his mother as, as he grows towards maturity, but who also needs the very life of his mother shared with him. Isn't that what our moms do for us? And moms, you do that so well. You share your own selves 
with your children, often sacrificing your desires for their needs, right? Because oftentimes a mom's desire becomes their success in becoming all that God wants them to be. That's Paul. That's Paul. It's what he wants for these believers who he sees as his very own children. And so he's not demanding of them. He's gentle with them, sharing his very life with those he leads in order to grow them toward maturity in Christ. Now, you can't force someone to grow in Christ, right? I don't know how many of you have kids or, more importantly, teenagers. But the more you try to force them to do anything, what happens? A little pushback, right? The harder you push, the more they resist, right? Let's give those we lead, including our kids, no reason to resist what we're trying to lead them to. As Paul put in Romans 2, let's give them no reason to even blaspheme God because of what we're doing and modeling. Well, not only is a biblical leader gentle rather than demanding, he's also encouraging rather than demeaning. Because Paul not only compared his gentleness to that of a mother, but his encouragement to that of a father. And we we saw this over and over again in our study uh, all through the rest of this year, the earlier part of this year in, in 2 Corinthians. Paul was all about building others up, not tearing them down. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me. He says, for you know, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you. And this, this was a personalized ministry Paul had, but he says he exhorted them, each one. And that word exhorted there means to come alongside them. I mean, what greater encouragement is there when someone chooses to walk this life out with you, right there with you, encouraging you along the way? Exactly what the Spirit of Christ does for us. Paul continues, and encouraged you. And this points to to verbal encouragement, even verbal consoling of someone when it gets hard because it is going to get hard as we lead out with the gospel. And finally, he says, and charged you, or other translation says, implored you, putting an urgency to this threefold encouragement. Now, what is the encouragement for? What is it to lead to? Well, he says, to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Listen, the goal of a biblical leader isn't just to get people to behave or to obey. It isn't just to get them to follow or to imitate. I mean, walking worthy of God is a good thing, and we need to walk worthy, and we need to model that. Paul said in verse 10, that's what they modeled for them, holy, righteous, and blameless conduct. But the ultimate goal is to help them understand what God has called us all to. He says it right here, his own kingdom and glory. That's what we've been called to as his children. And through both gentleness and encouragement, rather than through demanding or demeaning ways, we've been called to lead others to understand that as well. Now, why is it important to understand this and to help others understand it? Because that's what will ultimately motivate the heart of a biblical leader to lead, no matter the cost. Because like Paul said in the very first verse, his coming to them, his labor among them was not in vain. He encouraged another church that he had planted uh, that, with that same understanding and motivation with these words from 1 Corinthians 15. He, he wrote, therefore, my beloved, beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Now, I'm sure you've been at this place, but just to be real honest with you, there's been times when I wonder if the things that I'm doing are making any kind of difference in anyone's life. If I'm leading anyone anywhere or is what I'm doing in vain. Have you ever wondered that in your walk as a believer with those you lead, maybe as a parent, maybe as a, as a Christian boss? Well, listen. There's an answer given to us in scripture. And the answer given to me, the answer given to you is we abound in this work, leading others like we see Paul did. 
with a priority of mission, with total reliance on God, with honesty and transparency and with encouragement and gentleness. The answer is that not only is it not in vain, but as God's word says in Isaiah, this word of Christ we share, the gospel that we lead with, will not return to him void. Instead, it will accomplish what God has purposed for it to accomplish, meaning it won't be in vain. But more importantly, meaning and pointing us to the fact that God is faithful. God is faithful, and we can bank on that. Your labor as you lead, your words spoken with with gentleness and, and this kind of encouragement we see given will help translate vision into reality. Back to that definition. But you got to ask, what's the vision, right? What's the vision? We find it in the ninth verses of both Revelation 5 and Revelation 7, where we see a multitude of people ransomed by the blood of Christ from every tribe, language, and nation who have been made a kingdom and priest. I, I thought about that word priest. That is those who minister before the Lord and lead others to do the same. But that's what we've been made. But the picture shows us all around his throne, praising Jesus, the Lamb of God. Listen, that's the vision. Don't you want to be a part of not just being around the throne, but bringing others to that throne and and fulfilling that mission that God has given us, fulfilling his vision for the church? God's going to be faithful to it. Are we? Are we going to be faithful just as he is faithful? We have the very character of Christ in us, meaning the Spirit enables us even in our faithfulness. But let that motivate you like it did Paul. So you can give a big yes to this question. Will you be a leader who will be a a part of translating that vision into reality? We've been invited to that glorious honor. And so let's, let's walk worthy of that. Let's lead worthy of that and lead others to do the same. All for God's glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that you are faithful to your word. God, that you are going to accomplish everything you've set out to accomplish with your word. God, you created the the entire universe with your word. God, you have called us by your word, the word of Christ, the gospel you've given. God, may we call others to this gospel. May we lead others to know you and to be known by you. And so, Father, be blessed, God, as we respond now to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand together. As the band leads us in this song here, and as you've heard God's word, you know, realize God's word, when you hear it, it demands a response. And the truth is we respond whether we really think we are or not because to not, to, re- to not respond is ultimately to respond. And so how will you respond? Are you gonna allow the spirit to empower you to lead the way God has called you to lead with the very gospel of God that we've been given, the very gospel of God that has saved us is now to empower us to lead others to that same salvation. I don't know what your next step is in your journey of faith, but it may be to to declare Jesus Christ as Lord. To by faith accept him, turning from your sin and accepting what he did on the cross for your sin. Your next step may be baptism. I know we have a baptism in the next service. Your next step may be church membership. It may be to really get into God's word and to see how he's called you to lead. And so as you respond this morning, the altar's open. We have counselors waiting to pray with you and to talk with you, and I'm here as well. But you come as God leads.
Yeah, and we got to just move your mic a little further away.